You've heard of one person reviewing a game. You may even have heard of two people reviewing the same game. But you've probably never heard of two people reviewing two different games before. That's what we'll do with Review Duo. I'm Kronos, and with me is Kushmus, and tonight each of us will review a game that the other has never played. My game is Wailing Heights. Wailing Heights is a point-and-click adventure game developed and published by Outsider Games. It's available on Xbox for $11.99, a mere $2 console tax over the normal Steam price of $9.99. The titular Wailing Heights is a hidden neighborhood for the dead, undead, and other monstrous creatures that used to be human. In the game, we take the role of Francis Finkelstein, the ex-manager of a monkeys-esque band of universal classic monster movies tropes. The last member of the band has recently passed away, and Francis ends up in Wailing Heights as well, despite being very much still alive. The game's lineage is Roberta Williams-style puzzle adventure meets the monkeys with a lot of goofy comedy, music, and a lot of charm. Wailing Heights is fairly short. Uh, it's, it takes its value of time pretty seriously. It's going to take you about six to eight hours if you're doing this without a guide, and probably about three, maybe four hours with a guide based on some of the feedback I've been having so far. The puzzles are not too complex, but a couple of them are uh, a little bit troublesome in that you may know what you're supposed to do, but you can't figure out how you're supposed to do it in the game. And that's, that's the classic thing. That's how, why Roberta Williams-style puzzle games sort of fell out of favor. You're trying to figure out what the developer had in mind, and even if you can figure it out, it's usually very convoluted, and this game is no different, but it does it pretty well, and it has a, a ton of humor that really smooths that over a great deal. When the game can be funny, you can forgive a lot of the sins. Uh, so when you say puzzle, are you talking about just a random like number puzzle where you're moving these things around, or is it more of a you've got to get to this side of the room and you have to overcome these obstacles. More like the second type. So, you know, as an example of a puzzle that you might have in Wailing Heights, you have to gain control of a certain character, and in order to do that, you need some objects in your inventory. And those objects may have been given to you because the game says, well, you're never going to find these, I'm just going to give them to you. Or they may be hidden in the environment and you just have to pull them out because you happen to know where they are, and some of them are hidden with absolutely no clues. Or there may be very clear clues, but they're hidden behind another gate that you need a different character for, and you don't realize that. I see. And does music play a part of this game? Absolutely. music-based puzzles? The music is a very big part, because uh, you know, it's, I said that the, the theme is the monkeys, so you have a band of musicians who are really fake musicians. They're talented people, but they're not real musicians. But uh, they're playing ones on TV, essentially. Um, ah. But there is solid music in the game. It's not really my style, but I can tell that there's some talent behind it. But the puzzles themselves are not musical. It's it's combinations, and really easy combinations for the most part, because usually the order doesn't matter. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the achievements. I say it's a six to eight hour completion, but that's if you don't miss anything. Uh, I happened to miss a couple of the achievements my first time around. Fortunately, they were early in the game. So I was able to go back and get those pretty quickly. So it has missable achievements, a couple of those. But most of them are story-based, and even the ones that are missable are usually pretty obvious. And most of the game takes place in this chunk towards the middle of the game, and nothing inside that portion is missable. So it's only if you miss something in the very beginning of the game that it's likely to be missed in any case. Wailing Heights has 12 achievements. Um, currently, TrueAchievements.com has three of them tagged as collectibles. 
uh, and four of them tagged as main storyline. I think those are fairly accurate. None of them have been tagged as missable, and that's not correct because they are missable, uh, even though you can go back and get them. Uh, they do require a new save file at that point, so they are still missable, technically. So there is no chapter select if you happen to miss something? No chapter select. And okay. there are plenty of pieces of dialogue that are skippable, but there are scenes that are not skippable. So if you miss it, you're in for another 20, 30 minutes of playtime. It does have a lot of charm, though. This is something that I, I, I want to you know make sure I emphasize, because the game is a lot of fun. Uh, it's definitely not as polished as I would like, um, but it's an independent game, and so you can forgive some of the flaws, you know, like finding yourself behind a wall that you're not supposed to be behind. But uh, it, it does what it wants to do very, very well. And Cronus, tell me, is there a guide for this game? Well, uh, com should have a guide up in about a week or two. I have a couple of members of the community running through my draft of a guide to make sure that it actually works the way I think it's supposed to work. And uh, with any luck, that will be published and be comprehensive pretty soon. So, Kush, what did you play? Yeah. Yes, so the game I played is called Omega Strike. Uh, it was released June 15th, 2018. It is the uh, introductory game on Xbox from developer Wobblyware, which is fun to say. And it was published by Digirati. Uh, in doing a little bit of back ground research, discovered that Wobblyware is a one-man she uh, has done all the programming, he's done all the scripting, uh, and the graphics himself, and uh, previous to this, he had been uh, building a lot of mobile games. So he does have uh, a long pedigree of, I guess, putting out software for purchase, but this is the first uh, game for Xbox. Uh, the game is listed as a Metroidvania, a platformer, and a run-and-gun, and it's only available digitally. This is a single-player game with no online functionality, 24 achievements, which don't require playing online, and the price for Omega Strike is $11.99. In my experience, Omega Strike is really a run-and-gun Metroidvania love child. Uh, it can complete, be completed in several short and hopefully enjoyable sessions of gaming. Uh, that's how I attacked it. Um, if I were to say... What two games mashed together would result in Omega Strike? They would have to be some sort of run and gun, uh, similar to like a Contra, with the leveling up and retraceability of a game like you know, Metroid, basically. You can switch between the three. You can switch between the three main characters. Uh, they are Sarge, Bear, and Dex, and uh, you will not need to know their names. You will not need to know anything about their motivations because this game is super low. They start out together, so you get uh, your classic introductory level of what each character can do once you have them and once you have their special powers. I should mention that each character has a unique um, mode of transport. Dex also has a double jump. Once you unlock Dex, you'll pretty much be playing with him. If you're like me, you'll be playing with him pretty much the entire time. Yeah, most uh, Metroidvania games, once you get the double jump, that's your yeah, that's your jumping off clutch. point, right? Exactly, because you don't want to die, you don't want to fall on the spikes. Spikes are instant death in just about every game. All these weapons can be upgraded by uh, finding collectibles. You'll definitely want to do that because some of these bosses uh, are a little bit tricky. Uh, there are, I think, multiple difficulty levels. Uh, I would say three, two or three, but none of the achievements require you to play uh, on a particular difficulty, so I recommend starting on easy and staying there. 
this game is fairly easy. It's it's a good introductory Metroidvania slash you know, running gun, probably for the younger uh, audience. However, um, the game definitely ramps up in difficulty out of nowhere. Um, towards the back half of the game, uh, the boss is just, for whatever reason, just put their foot on your throat, and uh, it is very difficult. Uh, were um, those boots spiked? They were spiked. They were definitely spiked. The spike lobby has, has <laughs> definitely gotten their clutches were you, into this game. Were you able to beat this one? Yes. This game uh, took me, I want to say, seven to eight hours to get all 24 achievements. There was a little bit of backtracking to find one or two really kind of sneakily hid uh, collectibles. Unlike some of the you know, my more favorable Metroidvanias, when you are in a room with a collectible, there's no notification. You can see how many collectibles there should be in this level uh, and you know where you are with that. So you have three of four, but you don't have no idea what room they're in. So you, mm. you essentially have to just backtrack. Like Metroid, um, when you are really low on health, you could do this trick where you'd find a particular room uh, with a, you know two rooms connected by a door with enemies right at the entrance to each level or each room. And you would basically just ping pong between the rooms, shooting them, killing them, collecting you know, the little health pickup, which gives you five health, and you just keep doing that for half an hour, and you fill your energy tank all the way back up. Uh, that is one method that you can use in this game uh, if you're having a little bit of trouble uh, traversing through a level. I think that the game was intended to have you switch between characters uh, as a strategy or as a way of dealing with their attacks. I found that, for the most part, one of the three characters was better suited to take on a, a boss, uh, and I just didn't switch. I, I had a good time, and like I said, bringing a, a, maybe a younger gamer into this game to introduce them to Run and Gun or to Metroidvanias would be good for maybe the first hour or two. The platforming is not too difficult. You know, the uh, the combat is not too difficult. But it really does ramp up, and there's, there's kind of no cure for it, and yeah. a, a younger gamer would uh, definitely have to bang their head against it to get through. Or quite likely lose interest, which is a pity. Exactly. <laughs> and head off to something else, yes. Well, I love it when these uh, one-man shops can turn out something that's uh, that's pretty good. It sounds like you, you did enjoy this one. I did. Like I said, you know, I, I got through all of it. I, of course, if you know me uh, or you look at my true achievements... Uh, you love history, the Metroidvanias. I love the Metroidvanias. And this one... Uh, I, all I was thinking as I was playing this is my daughter could start this one day and you know and and maybe this would you know introduce her to kind of old school gaming uh, with you know new school um, kind of comforts one of the things you mentioned is uh, the the movement mechanics uh, that you have with your characters they have a secondary movement mechanic and that's mm -hmm. actually something I should have mentioned with uh, Wailing Heights uh, you get the chance to control a large number of characters in Wailing Heights and most of them have a secondary movement feature and that is uh, a way that you can solve some puzzles but as just a tip for people who are playing the game, it's also the faster way to travel. The secondary movement mode is always faster and you know, the town's not big, but when you do as much backtracking as you need to with an adventure game, you're going to want to move faster than just the shamble that those characters go at most of the time. wouldn't have thought that a, you know, a puzzle kind of point and click uh, would, would have movement. It is a point and click in that you're, you know, moving about on the screen and you click a, you, you press a button, press and hold a button mm -hmm. to talk or interact with something, but you control a character that's moving around in the environment. 
um, much like you would with... Uh, have you played Her Majesty's Spiffing? Loved it. Okay. If you liked Her Majesty's Spiffing, you are very, very likely to enjoy Wailing Heights. Because... I, I mean, yeah, you sold it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to play it at some point. The game's are incredibly similar in their style, and they're both humorous adventure point-and-click style games. Um, in my opinion, Wheeling Heights is better. I think it's uh, not as polished, oh. but it, ha okay. it has more to it. It takes a little bit longer to go through the story, and the humor is actually robust rather than juvenile. Not now, now I'm going to have to test you on that. That's, that's going to be interesting. Come on back to me and I, tell me I was wrong. <laughs> I will. I should probably speak a little bit more to the types of achievements um, that you'll be doing in Omega Strike. Uh, they're pretty basic, uh, cut and dried. On you know, collect ten of this collectible, collect fifty of that collectible, collect a hundred of that collectible, uh, defeat you know every single individual boss that you have to defeat on the way to the end guy. Um, there's really nothing. Uh, aside from the optional collectibles that you would miss by going from uh, from front to back in this game, um, the achievements, you know, so they're they're kind of cut and dry. Um, they are still fun, you know. You, you get that little endorphin rush every time they pop, but there's there's really nothing kind of out of the ordinary that you can be like, oh yeah, that's that's definitely something I'm going to remember for TA's poll at the end of the year uh, for for good achievement uh, candidates. Who played a Metroidvania? platformer run and gun not roguelite omega strike correct that was twelve dollars and you liked it and would recommend it to someone who wants to get into the genre uh or who is looking for something simple in that uh vein and i would probably also recommend you wait for a sale twelve dollars is a little bit steep but i think five or six would be um you would not be upset sounds great and i played wheeling heights which is a point-and-click adventure game full of humor and charm, uh, which is also $12. And I think it's a fair price for the game. Uh, I am a notable cheapskate, uh, and I would be unable to pull the trigger on this myself until it went on sale, but I don't think that anyone who buys it at full price will be regretting their decision. We'll come back again with more reviews if this is something you guys want to hear more of. I hope that's the case. We just got to go find ourselves some new games. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you play next. I can't wait to see what you play next. The gods are dead. The sun has stopped moving. Thimblewinter has arrived to the northern lands. The underworld-dwelling dredge are surfacing, and the serpent is spreading its Lovecraftian darkness throughout the world. The relative peace felt since the last war between mankind and the giant Varl is slipping as hope runs low and individuals of all races are turning on each other. This is the premise of the Stoic Studios tactical epic The Banner Saga. While rooted in Viking culture and mythology, the world of The Banner Saga is very much its own. A passion project begun by three Bioware employees who founded Stoic Studios after the release of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. These games would have a hard time getting developed by a larger studio in this day and age. Released as three parts in 2014, 2016 and the final part in August of 2018, this trilogy is meant to be started from part one as they tell a continuous story with the possibility of importing your progress between games. The series is intended for mature audiences and is actually being mature enough to stick to a teen rating. 
This incongruity is due to most of the mature content that would warrant a higher age rating is presented in writing. The Banner Saga is available on most platforms, including mobile, PC and Switch. The Xbox One interface is okay, but mouse or touch input is probably preferable. While technically unimpressive, the game's graphics and presentation are beautiful, as they prioritize quality over quantity. The mostly hand-painted graphics, while fantastic, are sparse and heavily reused throughout the series, and the voice acting by Icelandic actors is great but infrequent, leaving most of the game using text and character portraits to tell the story. The gameplay is split in two distinct parts, the visual novelesque or choose your own adventure part, where your choices often have dire consequences, and the turn-based tactical part used for combat. The focal point of the story is about a caravan of refugees seeking safety from the dredge and the spreading darkness. As the leader of the caravan, you must juggle the resources, morale, fighters and attempt to lead them to safety. The game is very good about making your choices matter. While the Banner Saga is linear and rarely branching, your choices often have a direct impact on your caravan, both immediate and delayed. Many times presenting you with bad and worse choices, as well as ethically loaded decisions, where taking the moral high ground is usually costly, and being too trusting will make you end up with more daggers in your back than vertebrae. Characters will judge you for your actions, but there is no visible tracking of your choices, nor are there telltale-like signs telling you when you make an important decision. Making a bad choice can be truly punishing, making you lose important members of your caravan, and in some cases it can take many in-game days or even across games before the effects are felt. These choices and their consequences is my favorite part about the Banner Saga. Using a guide is very detrimental to the experience, as it will rob you of your story. To get all the achievements, you will need to play every game roughly three times anyway, and I highly recommend your first run to be without a guide. The tactical combat part is very well done, fairly easy to get into, but with considerable depth. Unfortunately, it outstays its welcome. There are just too many battles over the course of the series. Harder difficulties really pushes you to master the combat system, where armor and health are separated, and damage output is tied to health. The turn order is difficult to manipulate, and keeping damaged enemies alive taking up a turn and dealing less damage than their injured friends is a much better option than killing them one by one. There are also ways to completely break the combat in later games, which might not be a bad thing considering how difficult it can be. The achievement lists are interesting and challenging, but requires multiple playthroughs to complete. Since these games highly benefit from playing without a guide, combined with some control issues for the Xbox version, this might be a series to stay away from if you are a completionist, or rather play them on another system. Each game is roughly 10 hours per playthrough, meaning 30 hours for the series. To get all the achievements, 3 playthroughs with subsequent playthroughs being slightly quicker will probably be around 80 hours. The Band Saga 2 also has a relatively time-consuming DLC that is entirely combat-focused, which I'm personally not a fan of, and it requires multiple playthroughs as well. 
Overall, this series is probably more than a 100 hour completion. If you can stand the Xbox version's slightly worse interface than some of its other versions, and don't mind playing it for 100 hours or don't mind leaving it unfinished, I highly recommend the Banner Saga trilogy. The strength of the story outweighs its also good, just very numerous battles. The series has 142 achievements worth 3250 game score and just over 9000 true achievement score. The reviewer Vakapale initially kickstarted the series but bought them again on Xbox One, except for part 2 which was games with gold. Feeling constipated? Might I'd suggest Vakapale's quickie of the week, Outlast. It might just scare the crap out of you. This is one of the most impressive ID at Xbox titles, with graphics and sound rivaling AAA games. An investigative reporter is given a tip that something is awry at the psychiatric hospital Mount Massive Asylum and goes there to investigate. Hijinks ensue. Outlast and its additional story DLC Whistleblower are both fairly short and have a total of 1500 game score worth almost 5000 TA. Beware that the achievements are slightly buggy, both in good and bad ways. Some collectibles have been reported to disappear from your collection. If this happens, I'd advise you to load an earlier save to see if the ones you've collected are still there. A collectible run of Outlast will take you around 3 hours and net you a fairly easy 500 game score worth around 1000 TA. By using chapter select and replaying the final chapter and completing it without hiding in a locker or under a bed will get you an additional 150 game score worth almost 500 TA in around 10 minutes. The final two achievements in the base game can be done in under an hour and are worth 350 game score and more than 2200 TA. It requires you to complete the entire game on the hardest difficulty without dying or reloading your camera, which I'm told is not as daunting as it sounds, but I haven't attempted it myself yet. The DLC Whistleblower, which is among the best campaign DLC of all time, can give you 350 game score and around 750 TA in around 2 hours, if you decide to get all the collectibles. Outlast is an excellent horror game with inflated ratios due to being Games with Gold in December 2016. It is very likely to be discounted close to Halloween if you don't already own it. Keep sleeping on top of your bed. Sleeping under it is not worth the security benefits.